It's time for the Right Hook Health Checkup, and uh, Kira Kelly uh, joins me now. I had text earlier saying, is that giddy young lady who comes in on a Monday really a doctor? <laughs> and I said, absolutely. And an economist to boot. Well... Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? They know now. Uh, right. Look, we're going to the right hotel checkup. I've been taking increasingly less part in this on consecutive Mondays. And at current calculations in three weeks, I won't be involved at all. Well, you know, if that's what the people want, George. Uh, well, when the first question is, George, please leave this question to <laughs> Kira, I get the message. 70-year-old farmer, used to hard work. Ten years he was uh, in the scrum for the local rugby team down in Leash. Now uh, he's still strong and fit, not overweight. He's been suffering on the top of his head. Sinus-like pain also on both sides of his head. Muscles on both sides of the neck above the collarbone, very tender. Painkillers useless. Medics, uh, as usual, say wear and tear. Have you any help here? Is this the gentleman who describes the pain as a burning pain? No. No, different. It, no, different burning. Different different man. No. Um, this is a rugby we, player. We don't, we don't know what's going on with this man, but he has pain on the top of his head and the side of his head and the side of his neck, which is a little bit unusual. I'm wondering if there's something going on with his neck. Um, but why the top of the head? I don't, see, we don't, we don't know, George, but it's, it's an unusual thing he's, de- he's describing wh- where his pain is. I think he needs to actually go back and I think he probably needs some blood tests done. He may even need um, a scan of his neck done, both looking maybe, maybe something like an MRI of his neck that would look at, at, at the, the cervical discs and the nerves there. Um, he may even need to have his carotid arteries having a look at because I... He describes the pattern so specifically that it doesn't just sound to me like your routine wear and tear. And clearly he's a physically active man. He was former rugby player so and says, a farmer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, but it doesn't sound the way he's described the pattern of this to me like a pattern that would be classically described from a bit of wear and tear. May I speak? Oh, please do. Your your suggestion about the MRI next really interesting. There's a whole load of nerves going around yeah. there, and very often the pain comes from a nerve in a different place. Yeah. You have a pain in, uh, as I had, I remember I had a pain. I thought it was my hip, but in fact it was a nerve from my back and so on. So it, it can happen elsewhere. But then I thought I'd stay with the top of the head, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Because there's another guy, a burning scalp. Uh, severe tenderness behind both ears and at the base of the skull. Now, he has pain in the muscles of his neck as well, this fella. Interesting, isn't it? Because that's two guys yeah. sort of similar and both a little bit unusual. Burning, and the uh, docs, of course, do nothing. Burning pain, to me, generally speaking, until proven otherwise, is neuropathic pain, is nerve pain, exactly as we said. He had a, This guy had an MRI, though. Here's the thing, though. What did he have MRI? Did he have his neck MRI or did he have his brain MRI? Because he could have something like an atypical trigeminal neuralgia, which is, which is, you ever hear of people have neuralgia in their face? I'm sure you have, George. I had it once upon a time. It's the most appalling stuff. Oh, it's crucifying. It's a terrible pain and it is a burning pain and it's what we would sometimes refer to as an intractable pain. And this guy seems to me to be describing that. So I'm wondering, first of all, does he need an MRI? Second of all, does he need stuff specifically to treat nerve pain? And the stuff that we use for that is not like normal painkillers, it's different. And occasionally those types of neuralgias respond to things that aren't the nicest drugs, but they do respond to them for a period of time until you can get it under control. Things like steroids. Again, I think this guy needs follow-up because 
it's very easy for um, doctors who are busy and under pressure to say, oh, you have a bit of a pain here. Take a Nurofen or something. It's a bit of musculoskeletal stuff or it's a bit of... You but know. both of these guys, the farmer with, with the thing and this fellow with the burning scalp... They need specialists rather than general yeah. practitioner help, if I dare suggest that. I, I, well, the, but how do you access that apart from through your general practitioner? The other thing that I would say... Can, uh, can you say, listen, doc, I'm paying you 65 quid here. I want to see a specialist. Well, you can, of course, do that. But I would suggest that most GPs know when you need to see a specialist too. One thing that's worth extrapolating out of these two guys to our, our, our broad listenership in general is is that if you are someone who's suffering with pain in your, in your neck and your head. If you're tender, George, and I'm feeling my own sides of my head here. Yeah, here, you gave, your television has driven you mad. Do you think you're on television now? If you're tender on the sides of your head, if yeah. you're tender over your temples, yeah. okay, and if you're getting headaches, you need, whoever you are, to get yourself down and get a blood test pronto because sometimes we do get tender sides of our head and we get inflammation associated with that. It's called temporal arteritis and it can put pressure on on the, the the nerves and the blood supply okay. to your eye and it can result in blindness. So and I know you love when I catastrophize it's your very favourite thing, but all I'm suggesting is, is if you've got tender sides of your head, if you're having headaches, go on off and have a blood test. It's very simple. I was supposed to see my ophthalmic surgeon this morning. And what happened? Well, like, there was so many, so much rugby stuff. I had yeah. to cancel everything. Every radio station in the world was ringing me up and wanting interviews about the rugby. Uh, so I had to cancel. So I could be going blind. I, I don't think you are. I mean, by the look right. of you, no. Well, I can't. I'm trying to look across the pitch and I can't see the wing on the far side. What's the current best therapy for treating prostate cancer? It totally depends. And that might sound like a cop-out, but it does. A lot of men get prostate cancer when they're much older, George, and the the doctors who are seeing them know because at that stage and with the kind of cancers that they have, it can run a very indolent course and therefore you mightn't have any treatment at all because, in fact, the treatment might be worse, the cure might be worse than the disease. Do you know what I mean? So so for a, for a subset of men who, who have prostate cancer, no treatment whatsoever is indicated and that's the best treatment, nothing. Um for younger men or men with more aggressive forms of cancer, but particularly for younger men where it does tend to be not so indolent, then you go at it and you hit it with all sorts of things. And, and, and there's, I suppose, This is the nuclear option. Well, the nuclear option is to do a radical prostatectomy, which is go in and take everything out. And but then you're impotent in all kinds of stuff. You can be. Uh, and, and there are worse things than impotence, I would suggest, because you can be very much uh, incontinent and all that kind of stuff too. And that, that can be as much of a problem... As, as, as impotence can be or erectile dysfunction. As What's we, incontinence? You can't control when you want to pee. Yeah, is, and you might be completely incontinent and, and not have any control over your bladder, which can be really uh, difficult from a social point of view from people, you know, for people. Um, so, so that is one thing. But what a lot of people would go for would be the, the, the radiotherapy and chemotherapy routes, okay. which would be successful. But, but we can't really answer that question because there's a variety of things. And some people, truthfully, the, the treatment is no treatment. Right. Can I answer this question? Go it's for it. addressed specifically to me okay. by Caroline Linton Dow. Okay. Gout, George. You treated yourself. My husband is on tablets, but he also needs diphene. Now, the first thing is, if he needs diphene, there's a lot of pain. Yeah. Isn't that so? It would be. So, therefore, the, the, 
there really, there's, I, I think we're getting a handle on gout, and I'm surprised so many people are suffering. One, gout is caused by uric acid in your system. Mm-hmm. So you have to lower your uric acid. Doctors of blood testing says your uric acid's going through the roof. Have to get it down. Allipurinol invariably is uh, recommended, Jess? Pretty much, yep. Right. Now, you don't go to your GP. He'll give you a whole load of horsemen. Or she, as the case may be. Or she is a Go to a rheumatologist. It costs you more money, but you have a better chance of getting fixed. Anyway, you're on the allopurinol. Don't mind the diet and all that claptrap. Then you have to have, then you have to have a backup system in your pocket when you go on your holidays and you get an attack. Dr. Kelly recommends, what do you call them? You take four. The next day, no, four. I don't. I don't. Why you, don't you, you recommend that? You take steroids, but you take steroids because of the your personal medical history. For the vast majority of people, we use high dose um, non steroidal anti inflammatories. That's what we do use. A bit like the diphene that this woman's husband is on. We don't go first line with steroids, but George, you're on a bit of a cocktail of things already, and you you know what I mean. So you're you're unusual, dare I say it? All right, okay. So, but the main thing is truthfully, is get your uric acid done yeah. by use of allopurinol. Yes, I would agree with that, but we don't know how much allopurinol this guy is on or if he's on allopurinol. She has tablets, but we're not sure. But I wouldn't necessarily agree with you that diet is of no consequence or that looking after your health in general is of no well, consequence. Well, can I tell you something about diet? Go on. When I went on my holidays to Portugal last year, they have fresh orange juice in the morning. So George said... Great. So, like, I instead of having typical George, instead of having one glass of fresh orange juice, I had like four or five with a with cheese ham in a roll. That was my breakfast. Orange juice gives you gout. Did you because get it? Because it's acidic. I got a ferocious attack of gout. Well, that's isn't that true? No. So there is. I so agree that, with you that about diet. Your, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, you you do want to watch what you what you what you and and in fact, if anyone has gout, it's very simple. The list is too long for us to kind of go through it here on, on the radio. But if you Google gout and diet, it'll uh, tell you what to avoid. Yeah, but it'll tell you don't have a glass of wine, and all this sort of stuff. It's as boring as hell. Take the allopurinol, and if you're in trouble, Caroline the dog, ring, Caroline, ring me back. Uh, do I come off Zoton tablets I started last week? Have diarrhea every day since? That's a bit aggressive. Well, there's Zoton. Zoton is, is a proton pump inhibitor, so it's a PPI, and some people do get, as a side effect, diarrhea. What's a proton inhibitor? It's like a very powerful antacid, George. People take them for gastritis and reflux and hiatus right, hernias okay. and esophagitis and gastric ulcers and all that kind of stuff. So a lot of people would take them. People also take them if they're on tablets that upset their stomach because some oh, tablets yeah. that we take cause stomach upsets and those people would often be on a PPI as well. It is true to say that some people on the PPI will get diarrhea. Now it kind of depends in, in relation to this question, it kind of depends on twofold things. One is why you're on it and two is how bad the diarrhea is. Because if you're on a course of therapy, for example, triple therapy, where you've just had a scope, a camera put down, they found that you have a bacteria and a lot of inflammation in your stomach, then if you can get through the month of the tablets and treat your stomach effectively and then come off it, then that's the better course of action. But you won't be able to do that if the diarrhea is fulminant and terrible. So you've got to weigh up the side effects against the benefits. I would suggest if 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 this drug isn't really, really needed, then yes, stop it. But if it is, try and continue but it. it yeah. But that's dependent on how bad the diarrhea is. It's surprising how many drugs actually give you diarrhea. 
There's quite a few. Another big one that people would not know, uh, two things, metformin or glucophage, which is used by half our diabetics, it gives you diarrhoea and people don't always know that. But a big one, and people sometimes take it when they have diarrhoea because they think, oh, I have a bit of a sick stomach, I'll take this, is motilium, George. People buy motilium for nausea over the counter and they say to themselves, I'll pop this now, my tummy's at me. And the diarrhoea gets worse because motilium is for nausea, not diarrhoea, but people mix it up. Brings me back to my gout. They, when, when I was in Portugal, the doctor gave me something else for my gout and it gave me ferocious diarrhoea. What did he give me? I, I don't, don't know. I don't All know. Right. Okay. Hip pain and left knee pain at night, 39 years old, back problems in my history. Yeah, Has he not answered the question? He may well have done, but it's an awful nuisance to be 39 and awake at night in your bed with knee pain and back pain and hip pain. This person, I would suggest, needs to do a few things, probably needs to get x-rays to make sure that there's nothing going on. Um, we don't know why the pain is like this. It could be an arthritic change. It could be from the back pain referred down the leg. They could have a, a, something like a bursitis, George, at their hip. But I would suggest that they're probably looking at... 39 and in this kind of pain possibly going to see an orthopaedic person they might need an injection in their hip or that kind of thing Um, and possibly also something along the lines of physiotherapy but one of the big things for people who have multiple sort of pain in their skeleton area you've got to keep your weight down whoever this person is is, and and, and we're on a hide into nothing if you don't do that because you're always going to have problems and with two thirds of Irish adults either overweight or obese there's a distinct possibility this person is too. But you he need could to watch maybe, he could maybe just, it's sad to relate at 39, but he could just have a bad knee or a bad hip, couldn't he? Could, he? he could do. I he, mean, it could be he could just quite be, traumatic. He could just be unlucky. Yeah. Uh, what do you know about the low FODMAP? I don't know whether that's food map or FODMAP. No, it's FODMAP. Diet for IBS. He's on it for a week. Great improvement. Yeah. What's FODMAP? What's IBS? FODMAP. Okay, IBS is irritable bowel syndrome. Oh, yeah. It's very common. Lots of people suffer from it. And it's made worse by stress. It's made worse by eating certain foods. And people get pain in their tummies and they get diarrhea or constipation and alternating and all that kind of stuff. Um, it responds very well to the FODMAP diet, which is a, it's a diet of exclusion. But there's a multiplicity of things that are, are excluded, like onions and apples and all these various things some of which you'll have been told previously are good for your bowel and it's quite a specific list of excluded foods you should do fod mapping and please listen to this you should do fod mapping in conjunction with a trained dietitian because dietitians are who know about this um, and good dietitians are worth their weight in gold on this kind of stuff you need to go to somebody specifically and work with them specifically but when you're on the fod map diet yes it can be a huge improvement to your irritable bowel and a drug-free solution, which is very important. Um, but FOD mapping is, is relatively complicated in terms of what you okay. can and can't eat. And don't try and do it on your own. Go and see a FODMAP-trained dietitian. There's lots of them out there, and you can find them online and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but a trained dietitian as opposed to um, a non-trained dietitian, of which all there right, are many okay. practising. The listener, it, it fixes me up on the gout. Yes, the doctor in Portugal gave me colchicine, and that gives you diarrhoea ferocious diarrhea, let me tell you. And that was bad. I'm sorry to hear that. But it fixed the out. <laughs> uh, chronic, now, here's one. Chronic mouth ulcers. No answers, no cure. It's seriously painful for Mike and Tip. Yeah, and he says in that that he's been to see lots of people as well, which, which a list of people, specialists and GPs. It's unusual to have, you know, it's not... 
that unusual. I mean, people do experience it, but it's, it's relatively unusual to have recurrent mouth ulcers. And there are a variety of conditions that it's associated with. Some of them, like Crohn's disease, for example, is associated with recurrent mouth ulcers. But there's other sorts of um, conditions as well. But you'd expect the doctors to pick up on those. So, and, and they seem to me from this text that they haven't, if there's something else going on. I would suggest this guy then maybe is just unlucky in terms of the bacterial colonisation of his mouth. I think he should go and see a dentist. I think he should go and see a dentist. I think he should have his teeth scaled and polished. He should look at his oral hygiene. He should be flossing and he should be doing kind right. of mouthwash and Listerine on an ongoing basis and that kind of thing. Listen, we're out of time, so I want real yes, no questions. Why is somebody dying with sciatica being given Vimovo and Lyrica? They thought, Mike thought Lyrica was for depression. Lyrica is a, a tablet that works for nerve pain as well. It is also used in generalised anxiety But he disorder. can't stand or sit, such is the pain. He needs. He probably needs more Lyrica and more Vimovo and maybe painkillers as well. Bad sciatica is very bad. He also probably needs physio. Maybe he hasn't sciatica. Maybe it's something else. Uh, it's probably sciatica. Sciatica is pretty easy to diagnose. Oh, if you have a, 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 a torn meniscus, you don't want a steroid injection. You want surgery, do you? Is this the, the meniscus in the knee we're talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, it depends. And I know I keep saying that, but it depends. This guy needs an MRI and an orthopedic opinion because some minor tears will heal themselves and may, in fact, benefit from the likes of a, of a steroid injection or indeed a hyaluronic acid injection. Some knees actually might actually need someone to go in there with an arthroscope and debride the knee and go in and sort of hoover right. up the, the crap inside But if, if I said you know, I give up the fags three years ago and I'm still coughing up black stuff, you'd be worried, wouldn't you? This guy, I saw that, that, that text. This guy needs a chest x-ray. It's even more interesting than that, George. He said he coughed up muck for about six months. It settled down. Now he's back. He may just have a chest infection. He may just have a, a new onset. A three-year-old chest infection? I got the impression from the text that he was sick and then he became well and now he's sick again. Uh, Chest x-ray, anybody who has Every pers- morning. persistent cough, persistent production of sputum or whatever in a, in a, in a smoker or an ex-smoker, chest x-ray. We no, want to make sure there's nothing but, going but, on. But hold on a while now. You have, we've all had chest x-rays, but we don't start coughing up black scum in the morning. I think he describes it as dark brown sputum. All right, brown scum. Scum is scum. Well, look, chest x-ray. As a first port of gold, that's what we do. All right.